Hey, thanks for coming back. This is Phil Gothier with the Guy Watch Podcast. A little bit of something at least for you guys to know about. When we started a couple months ago, um, we talked about being every other week a bi-weekly type show. And uh, this is sad enough to say to you, the last one we're going to do weekly for a little while. So um, we will go to bi-weekly, but we're still going to keep bringing you the best show that we can and uh, keep things up. I do have plans on trying to do something a little bit different on those off weeks. One of the things that uh, we've been playing around with a little bit is the idea of taking questions and finding uh, people who work in the field of faith or apologetics or these different places and having them give us an answer. Um, sometimes those questions that we wonder about or sometimes the questions we're just kind of maybe a little embarrassed to ask. So on the website, you'll be able to find the contact us page. If you have any questions that you would like to have answered, go ahead and send them over to us. And uh, if that's not a good way for you to do it. You can always find this on Facebook as well. Send us a message in there. You can send us a direct message. Um, I'll get them and then we'll get them organized and try to find somebody to, uh, to answer those. And with that, if there is somebody who works with the church, works with an organization, does some things that would be willing to answer questions that has a, a solid background in, in areas Uh, please reach out to me. Let me know. Um, I have struggled a little bit to find uh, people to partner up with us to do some of those things. So the more that we can get involved with that and the more that you can help out, the better the show will be. And and hopefully the, the more we'll be able to draw people to the word of God. So I guess with that, let's let's get into the show a little bit. Uh, today we have a show from a gentleman named Scott Hansen, and uh, I didn't ever have a chance to meet him before the show, but uh, he came pretty well recommended, and uh, he had a great story, and, and we really dive into an organization that he works with called Alpha Ministries, uh, and especially the prison ministries. He runs the prison ministry for Iowa, and uh, I think that he has some pretty neat stories to talk about and tell, and just the growth that he's seen in himself and through the Alpha program. So I hope that uh, you guys can sit back and enjoy the show. Thanks for coming and sitting down with us today. Thanks for having me. So I was uh, talking with Justin Pearson over down in Norwalk, and uh, he told me that you were a guy that I needed to talk to. (laughs) And so I'm kind of interested. You know, usually he's a a pretty good judge of character. You know some some guys with some good stories. So um, I'm glad you took the time to to be with us today. Um, I have a pretty interesting story, but boy, there's so many good stories out there of how God works in people's lives. That's, I'm just one of many, many millions, I'm sure. I, I'm trying to collect all of them. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about you. I mean, what's, where did you come from? What are you, what are you doing? Okay. My name is Scott Hansen from Forest City, Iowa. That's my adopted hometown. Uh, we moved around a lot uh, when I was a child. Uh, my dad was uh, in the military and then he was uh, in the car business, so it required him to move around quite a bit. Uh, He worked with Ford Motor Company out of Detroit, and I landed in Forest City, Iowa, 
around my eighth grade year, and so I graduated from Forest City High School, and and so I call I call Forest City my hometown. It's where I've got some of my longest lasting relationships with. Anyway, so uh, basically did the American dream. We, uh, you know, I went, I met somebody and got married and had children and uh, had had one biological son and uh, a stepson by her. Just started building a life together, and uh, I got the bright idea of uh, opening my own business. Uh, I opened a furniture store at the age of 26 years old. In, in Forest City? In uh, Algona, Iowa. Algona, okay. I had been in the furniture business in Mason City for a little while, and, and I kind of learned the ropes, so to speak, and, and got the idea that I was going to open the store in Algona, and so I did. And I spent a lot of years focused on building that business. Uh, meanwhile, the children were small, and you know, I, I did all the things that you were supposed to do. You know, send your kids to Catholic school, uh, make sure they have a safe home environment. And but I was so focused on building a business. Church was probably the last thing on my mind. I, I didn't really grow up in a church. I was baptized Catholic, but never went. Um, so it was kind of a natural extension that. In my adult life, uh, I did not go to church either. Uh, but I did send my kids to Catholic school. It's kind of funny because that's uh, you're, at least that that replicates my life a lot. You know, it's I was baptized Catholic, <laughs> uh -huh. and uh, I don't remember the last time I went to mass. <laughs> but uh, you know, the the work home life balance. You yeah. know, I mean, I own my own business too, and I think of of all the things that I really. Sometimes I'm lacking a lot, but in that area, that work-home balance, especially in a small business, you know, it's it's difficult because you want to be there for your family and you want to do those things, but a lot of the business stuff falls on you, and it, it's a 24-hour-a-day thing. And you know, well, I've, I've, I've always really said hard. fear is a great motivator, and <laughs> when sure. you're in business, man, you are focused on that business because you don't want it to fail. Yeah. And so when you put all of your attention in that one area, all of a sudden you don't have any balance. Yeah. You know, you have you have a family that's being patient and a store that is starting to grow and thrive. But again, I, th I saw that as my duty, my husbandly duty, my fatherly duty to provide. Yeah. And so I didn't see anything wrong with that. But there, you're right, there was no balance there. And after uh, 12 years, things just started kind of falling apart for me personally. and. It was funny, I was sitting in my office one night, it was probably 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, and I, I, was just on, I was just at a low point in my life, and, and I remember there was a Bible in the back room, somebody had brought it, and I popped it open, and I looked in the back, there's what they call a concordance back there. Mm -hmm. If you're going through certain issues, you can look that up on the concordance and go in the Bible and find out where that relates to your topic. Boy, I tell you what, I probably read that till midnight. And it gave me a comfort, even though I was going through some bad stuff, uh, failing marriage, and um, I, it really gave me some peace inside. And I, I, to this day, I remember what that felt like. And uh, unfortunately, there would be another time in my life when I'd need that again. Uh, but at the, at the time, I didn't know it. Yeah. I think that, I know in my life, I think that one of the things I always tell people is, I'm really glad that I came to my faith a little bit later in life because I remember the feeling. Mm. You know what I mean? The kind of the same deal. You know, I was sitting at a low point in life, and and, and I didn't have a, a Bible with me, but 
I just remember sitting there and thinking, man, nothing can get worse than this. Like, where do I go? And, you know, I remembered, you know, these guys and their faith. And, you know, I had people when I was younger, you know, high school age that were, you, sh- you need to find the Lord. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't need the Lord. I'm good. And, uh, but that, that time when you just kind of stop and you realize, like, I can't do this. Like, I, there has to be something bigger and better than this. And, I mean, that actual feeling, like, I remember feeling lighter, mm-hmm. you know, and, and feeling like things are going to be okay, you yeah. know. And that's, a, that's an experience that, that I wish everybody would, would get to feel. It, it was good, and God was prepping me for something better and bigger um, through, you know, God's the only one that can take a tragedy and turn it into a triumph. And uh, so I, I, I kept periodically going through the Bible, but living my life as well. And You know, I was in control. I was going to shape my destiny, and I... I had all these plans of chasing after the almighty dollar, the big house, the nice car, and you know that to me represented success. Yeah. And I was like, that was my passion. And so I started, you know, I put the Bible aside and I started back in my life. And I started doing things my way. I met another lady and, and we soon fell in love and got married and um, had three, she had three children. I helped raise those for the next 12 years. You know, there was a lot of uh, pitfalls during that time, but all the while I thought, okay, things are going well. And and then my youngest stepdaughter got involved uh, in illegal drugs. That was three years of what I call hell on earth, uh, trying to find her, number one, to save her and to restore her. That took every ounce of energy I had and then some. You know, periodically I'd pray to God, hey, God, can you help my daughter? And, and I don't even like using the word step when it comes to these kids. Uh, they're my children. Well, you know, I, have, I come from a, a split family, too. And, you know, I have a, what would it be? It would be a half-sister mm-hmm. and a adopted brother. But mm-hmm. they're my sister and my brother. I get it. Once your family is your family, I right. mean, the, the deferent, the, making that differentiation that's a real word differentiation right but uh, I don't think you need it you know what I mean the love is there their family yep that's, that's it and they so. will always be family in my book because uh, uh, consequently after 12 years of marriage and going through that episode I lost another marriage and I was just broken and I was just I, I was so miserable I was so stressed and I remember driving around Des Moines, Iowa one night. It was after I knew our marriage was over and I didn't have anywhere to go. Didn't have anybody I wanted to talk to about it because there were so many things that I just didn't share with people. And it was a very lonely night. I remember driving around Des Moines just intermittently crying and uh, wondering what I'd done wrong and and really humbling myself and, and uh, it was just a dark night for me. And I remember driving by this church. This is after four hours of driving around Des Moines, going nowhere, just driving around. And I remember it was a Friday night, it's about eight o'clock at night, and there was one car in the church parking lot. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna go in and talk to that guy or girl, whoever it may be. So I walked into this church 
and he happened to be coming out of the restroom or something, and he goes, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I said, I need to talk to somebody. Uh, things are not going well for me, and I guess I'm trying to figure out, is there more to life than this? And for the next, I want to say three hours, we sat in his office and we talked and I cried. And was it the pastor of the church? It was. He probably saved my life that night because I was pretty broke up and uh, for sure he saved my spiritual life because, uh, you know, he pointed me towards God, invited me to his church, of course, and uh, gave me some things to read and to comp contemplate because, you know, the reason I'm in the shape I'm in is because of the life I was living. I wasn't living a godly-centered life. And uh, anyhow, I started going to his church, and it was a 45-minute each-way commute every Sunday morning. And it was, it got to a point where I was like, oh, I, I love this church, but I really need to find something closer to home. Yeah. So I decided there was a couple churches I wanted to try, so I went to, back to a Catholic church downtown Des Moines. I went down to the Basilica. And that just didn't fit me. It didn't feel very good. And, and I tried a couple other churches. And when I, I thought to myself, you know, there's a church right by my house called Prairie Ridge Church. I think I'm going to try there. So I did. And I walked in. Uh, somebody at the front door welcomed me and made me feel good. And I walked into the sanctuary, and worship had already begun. And there was this someone up there playing organ, uh, a friend of mine now, uh, Julie Weeman, and she was so spiritual in her prayer on stage while she was worshiping and uh, just talking about if you're alone, if you're feeling uh, low, if you feel like no one's around for you, this is the place for and you're you. you're like, she's talking to me. I know, she's she's talking right to me. to me, right to me. So uh, I sat down and I enjoyed the worship and then of course Pastor Mike came out and did his talk and I, I don't remember the topic that particular day but uh, it was something that really said, you know what, you belong here, you need to be here. And so I started coming every Sunday and I started reading the Bible every day, read the Bible every day. In fact, over the course of a year, year and a half, I read the entire Bible. Didn't always understand it, but I read but it. I made it through. <laughs> I have a translation Bible at home, so it tells me all the, you know, the what, what all these scholars think that passage means. And so I read not only the Bible, but I read the interpretation and tried to get through it as best I could. On my own, of course, because I was in skip control. Leviticus? You skip Leviticus at least? <laughs> yeah. So, so anyhow, uh, so for the next couple of years, I, I, I stayed in the back row. Um, Soon as service was over, I was out of there. And so for about two years, I did that. I'd just come in, sit in the back row. As soon as service was over, I left. And one day, I was just thinking, you know, I kind of plateaued in my faith walk. I said, there's got to be more to this. And Pastor Mike had an introduction to some different ministries that were going on at the time. And, and he said one line that really landed with me, and that was, if you're not getting everything you want out of church, if you're not connecting with friends and people uh, that support you in your faith walk, then that's on you because we're offering all this stuff. And if you don't take part in it, how do you expect to connect? Yeah. That night I signed up for Alpha because of that talk. Now, and, I, went through, I went through Alpha too. Mm -hmm. And um, 
Alpha, I mean, for people who don't know, it's kind of like an introduction to church, right? I mean, the, to the principles of church. Who is The who basic is tenets of what Christianity. Yeah. yeah. You can ask whatever questions you want, and there's a facilitator. It was a, it was a pretty good program. I enjoyed it. Well, it was really cool because I've never met so many not, uh, former Catholics in my life than I did in Alpha. Um, <laughs> that's kind of a running joke for me, actually. Uh, but the basic tenets of Christianity is what they talk about, and it's a safe place where people get to ask questions. You know, if, I've had questions from, uh, I just don't think Jesus was that, you know, son of God. I think he was a prophet. You know, why, why do churches spend all this time on him? You know what I mean? Yeah. I've had questions like that. Uh, I've had questions where people didn't even know who the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit was. Yeah. And, but they never, they were so intimidated by church, they were afraid to ask anybody. You know, it's funny though, because you know, you talk about sitting in the back and you know, leaving as soon as it gets, got done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost the same thing that I did. Yeah. There was a, um, a church over in Des Moines mm-hmm. and it was First Federated. Oh yeah, and, I've heard of that church. And uh, I got kicked out of their youth group when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Probably shouldn't tell everybody about it, but so I, yeah, so, but it was the only place I really knew about. You know, and I, I felt comfortable, at least I knew the layout of the building. And so I would sneak in after the music mm. first started. So there would be, everybody would already be in there. Right. And I'd come and sneak in the back. The greeters were already gone. Yeah. And then as soon as they would stand up to sing, I would scoot out again. Mm. And I didn't want to really know anybody. I just, you know. Well, it's funny that pastor I met on a Friday night, he sat and talked to me for three hours. He used to be a pastor at First Saturday. Was so. it really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, that's another story. That's but, funny. Yeah. But. Yeah, you know, and then you know, you talk about Prairie Ridge when when me and my wife, you know, when we got married and we were trying to find a home church, mm-hmm. you know, we really settled in here. And uh, and I guess for the people who are who are listening, we are at uh, Prairie Ridge again today. They've done so much with supporting us, and and uh, you know, especially Pastor Mike. There's been times where. You know, it's a lo- it was a long process getting the whole podcast up and going, and and the different aspects of it. And then there's times where I got discouraged, and right. you know, I would talk to him, and you know, he kind of ask how things were going, and you know, I'd always give him a smile and say it's going good, right, and, right. You know, even when I didn't really feel like that. But uh, he always gave me this encouragement that lifted me up, and you know, it's it was always really good to have him around. I think Mike's a very encouraging individual, and he. Uh I am blessed to have him as part of my life, part of my faith walk. Um, He steers me uh, through his Sunday messages. Uh, He encourages me, and and basically, he's 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 a developmental type person. If you're looking to be a leader in a church, he's the guy you want to mentor uh, to mentor you because he is one of those guys that will give you all the things you need to make your vision happen yeah and he's terrific support guy you know and it's funny because me and my wife left and went and planted a church Mm -hmm. and so we haven't been sunday attenders at prairie ridge for over three years Mm -hmm. but man he's still there for me Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. uh and it's funny because the one thing that i've always noticed about him compared to some other church leaders that i've met is um Every once in a while, I'll come up with a crazy idea. And I'm like, Mike, I want to do this. And he never says, like, 
Oh, I don't. He's always. You mean, you mean starting a motorcycle gang at church like I did? There yeah, you go. Mike, yeah. let me do that too. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's always kind of been like, what do you need? What can we do for you? Right. Yeah, no problem. Run with it, you yeah. know? And I don't think you find that everywhere. I think that's a really special thing that he, in, the, in his leadership style and the way he does things, is he is so encouraging. Well, and there are people that run organizations, and then there's people that invest in people and bring up leaders and i think mike's that guy yeah i would and, agree yeah so anyway so i i took alpha uh, at our church it's a, a wonderful evening it's a sunday evenings usually uh it encompasses a nice meal uh, a teaching and then group discussion afterwards and almost every single one of the people that were in my group and this is probably eight years ago uh, are st not only still active in our church, they're volunteers here. You know, they are they, that flame that enlarged because of this place and, and Alpha and the Holy Spirit. Well, and that foundation. I mean, that's a real, it just builds you that strong foundation. Exactly. And so we still have that connection. And I, when I see them in church, it, we always, you know, wink and nod. Hey, you know, we had a we had a real intimate ten weeks there where we got to know each other really well, yeah. in depth, not just the surface stuff. So yeah, we went through that. And so now, how large was your alpha group? I mean, it's like six, eight people, something like that. At or? the most, okay. you know, each group. You know, there might be seventy people that go to alpha, but they break them up in groups of four to seven. So it's a very small, intimate group, somewhere where you just feel safe to talk. Yeah. It, it really changed my life, uh, Phil. I, I think it took that little flame of mine that was inside here and it grew to an inferno. And I think that set the stage for me to leap off and do what I've done in the last several years where I devote a lot of my free time to either the church or to Christ uh, or to prisoners. You know, because um, you're because you're involved with the prison ministries now. I am, yeah. And I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit, but um, but I'm gonna I want to tell you after I finished that course in Alpha, yeah. then I went back, you know, to my normal cycle. I'm just gonna go to church every Sunday, you know. Now that I've connected with a few people, and I went on that for a good year and a half, and then I was talking to my buddy at work, uh, which by the way. We have a, I've networked through with a bunch of Christians at work. Yeah. And we make a nice group. I work in a super high competitive environment. And to have the kind of connections I have with these people, uh, my friends, uh, to where we do anything but talk about work. We talk about faith. We talk about Christ, our families. Uh, we have that Christian connection with each other that just puts where I work to the side and just says, okay, here, you know, we're here to hold each other accountable. So I built that. And when I was talking to my friends, I said, you know, I just feel like I plateaued again, you know, in my faith walk. And one of my friends, uh, the next day he brought me a book. It said the, the title of it was The Prayer of Jabez. And The Prayer of Jabez was uh, basically a prayer that asks God to expand your territory to uh, fulfill whatever need you have to build the kingdom of God. And so I prayed the prayer of Jabez and not 24 hours later, somebody I didn't know, uh, Julie Weeman at the yeah. time, uh, called me out of the blue and said, hey, um, would you like to have lunch next week? I'd like to talk to you about maybe getting more involved. 
And I was like, oh, if that isn't God talking. <laughs> so I said, yeah, absolutely. So we met down at Jethro's, a uh, local barbecue place here. And she goes, I need help with Alpha. And she goes, I, I've heard you had quite an experience through Alpha. And she goes, I just think this might be right for you. And so I started helping with Alpha, which gave me such a feeling of fulfillment that now here I am actively working in the kingdom of God, not listening about it, uh, not learning about it, but actually getting out of the mission field and doing it. And yeah. that's so fulfilling to me. How did that change your mindset? I mean, what, what did you notice your actions different, your thoughts different? Oh, like, absolutely. My whole life changed. Really? Because when you start being a Christian, all of a sudden you put God and Christ first. And everything you do revolves around that. Next thing you know, you're not you're not being depressed. You're not being anxious. You're not going out to the bars and drinking beer every night because that's not important to you anymore. All of a sudden, you have a new passion, and so it starts to change your whole outlook. I was just talking to somebody about this today. How much of my free time I actually spend either in Alpha activities, church activities, mowing the lawn at the church. My free time is dedicated to the kingdom that helped save me. It's just been incredible. So I started helping with the Alpha courses. I was hosting a, a small group and, and some of the miraculous God stories that I've been a part of, that I've been privileged to be a part of, that I got to be a front row seat and see how God works in people's lives is just amazing. I had a young, chi young kid, uh, he couldn't have been more than 23, 24 years old. He was a bodybuilder. I mean, this guy was ripped, and he—I mean, just huge just guy. Yoke. And he was a little intimidating, to be honest <laughs> with you. And about halfway through the alpha session, he leans over to me and he goes, and half tears in his eyes, and he goes, "I know I want to accept Christ in my life, but I don't know how to do it. No one's ever taught me how to do it." And I was just like, "Wow, how amazing is this to be?" the hands and the feet of Christ to help him devote his life to Christ. And, yeah. and I still stay in touch with him. Uh, now with the miracle of social media, it's real easy, but uh, we touch base occasionally. And, and so being a part of that was cool, but also what I found is that I started discipling people. People that were dropped in my life for no rhyme or reason. Case in particular, we had a new guy start at work and this guy was just all kinds of rude and arrogant and he, he just didn't want to be around him. He was just unpleasant. At some point, something clicked in me that said I needed to get to know this guy. So I started getting to know him. I was probably the only guy out of 100 people that even talked to him. Nobody liked him. Uh, he was just angry. He was uh, arrogant. He was quiet. He's, he was very artistic. So those guys tend to be more introverted anyway. And so we started having a friendship and we talked about faith and I invited him to church and he came to church and I talked to him about Alpha and I said, hey, we have an Alpha session coming up. You guys, you might want to think about attending. And uh, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll go. And so he started attending and every week I'd follow up with him because I, I knew he was a borderline Christian, like he could easily step out and just yeah. go to a previous life of drugs and alcohol that he had a problem with but I knew he was right on that cusp and I, 
And he told me later on, after the session was over, he said, you know, I was going to so bail on this. You don't even know. And he goes, but I was afraid to let you down. <laughs> Just strong arm him into strong it. Strong arm him into it. Anyway, I come to find out he's a musician. Uh, he sold all his instruments, so he had nothing to play, and he had no money to buy new instruments. And so quietly, I was able to raise enough money that we anonymously donated a guitar to him. And he ended up on our worship stage, uh, playing worship. Wow. And he has now moved away. Uh, but I like to think that um, we did our part and that he's using those gifts uh, for, for Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but I will say it was, it was almost got to be an obsession with me to be around this guy. And when I knew my job was over, when God told me, he said, it's okay to release him. I had no problem just letting Step, him go. Just stepping away. Just stepping away, right. Because yeah. God was talking to me actively for this individual. and It was just a miracle. And, um, you know, it's not, my, it's not my place to know whatever happened to him. Yeah. My, my job was to plant a couple seeds, to maybe water a little bit, and then let God do the rest. Yeah. And I think that that's... Sometimes that's the most we can hope for. You know what I mean? I look back at my life, and there's all those people who planted those little seeds. I knew where church was. I knew what I needed. I knew these little things because these people worked at me for years. Right. And right. even though I was like, ah, get away from me. I don't need your God stuff. You know, go go read your Bible. And uh, next thing you know, like, all those little seeds grew into something. Well, it's funny you say that because if I look back to my early childhood growing up, there were people in and out of my life that were doing the same thing. They yeah. were planting seeds. Seeds that only God can grow in His time. So, anyway, so it's it's been a it's been a little bit of a ride for me. Uh, it's not always been easy. In fact, it's been downright inconvenient. Yeah. I've had to rearrange my work schedule, which thankfully my workplace is very flexible, especially if it comes to something of faith. Uh, it, I've had to miss things. I've had to cancel plans because church always comes first, or my faith always comes first. Uh, whether that's Alpha, the church, or whatever. And there's times it's just downright inconvenient, but it, it's, it's worthy and it's, it's very, very worth it. I remember I got set up in this small group one time. It was just a handful of men that got together and there was a, an older gentleman who was leading the group, you know, I think he was a retired guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, me and, you know, a couple other guys, I think, you know, we were all in our early 30s. And I remember talking to the guy about, um, you know, your faith and being kind of set back at times. You know what I mean? Like, you know, living into your faith. If you're living into your faith, you're going to have times where it's not easy. You know, you're going to have times where maybe you don't make the deal that you could have made or right. you, you leave some money on the table in business yep. or you have to abandon some friendships or, you know, you do these things. And he was saying, oh, no, ever since I've been a Christian, my whole life has been peaches and cream. I've never had to worry about anything. And, and I told the guy, I think you're lying. Either, yeah. You're either lying to me or you're not strong in your faith. Right. You know, because there's a, there's a lot of times where if I could take a different route, mm -hmm. I would benefit but it's the wrong thing to do. Well, I tell you, on that note, it's interesting you said that because I told you I worked in a hyper-competitive environment. I'm in sales, um, and there are times where sales trumps all yeah. uh, you, in my life. It used to be. 
um, because it was all about making the dollar. Getting those percentages up. Yep, yep. exactly. And since my faith has taken off, uh, I will tell you that I've been at this place for 13 years. I have never worked less at work and had a record year. Remember I said I've taken days off for Alpha. I've missed a lot of sales days for Alpha, for the church, that kind of thing. But I have never sold as much as I have sold this year. But yet I've never worked as, I don't know how to put that. I, I've never worked less at my job. Because you're not working that pressure. You don't have that anxiety, those Correct. kinds of things. But, well, I think God has blessed me. God says, you do this and I will take care of the financial part of it for you. And there have been times where I've had deals come through that I was like, how did that even happen? And, uh, you know, and I, every time I have a sale, I, I thank God um, through just verbally praying to him. But I also thank God every Sunday uh, when I tithe, uh, which has sometimes been a struggle for me over the years. Um, you know, you can tithe and then I discovered that I really wasn't tithing enough, so I had to up my tithing game a little bit, and it was it was tough. I mean, there was days where that put that money in the plate, I just took a deep breath and said, "Oh gosh, help me, God!" Yeah, uh, you know, because I don't normally feel comfortable giving my money away like that. But uh, one of my good good friends here at church uh, explained it to me this way one time. He says. Uh, it's not how much you should tithe, it's how much you should keep. Because all of God, all of that money is God's money. You just take out what you need to keep, tithe the rest. Yeah. So that's been a, that's been a form of worship for me. When I tithe, I, I feel close to God. I, think, I feel like I'm doing something for Him. I think tithing is really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, because look back at your former life a little bit, chasing the dollar more, mm -hmm. than, more than anything else. And, you think about how hard you worked for that 10%. You think about how hard it was. And, uh, you know, our, uh, I'm frugal sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm just downright cheap, right? <laughs> and, you know, yeah, that money it collects in your pockets and it's hard to get it out, you know? And, and so I, I understand that. I really do. And I, I remember one time I heard that if you're going to tithe, do it cheerfully. And, and that always, that was hard for me because I was like, I'm never cheerful about giving yeah, it away, right, but, right. but in, in having it relayed, you know, I think kind of the same conclusion, but the way that you relate it where you're, you know, how much, how much are you going to keep? You yes. know what I mean? That's a, that's a different way to look at it when you don't see it as your, your profit, your loss. Right. It's, you know, it's a little different. Well, and it's also a form of worship uh, to God that, uh, that we tithe. Uh, we put him first in our life, so he should be the first bill you pay yeah you know the 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 donation to the to his kingdom is really the support of the whole mission yeah yeah so god first die first so but having these younger people in your life i think that's a pretty neat thing that you know i i know that the people that god has put in front of me and you know especially in doing this like the the stories I hear, from, even from people that I know, mm -hmm. I get way more in-depth story. You know what I mean? Even, I've known you for 15 years. How come <laughs> I didn't know this? You know what right. I mean? And, and just the people that he's put around me has been amazing. And even non-believers, 
Yes. You know, I, Especially I have a, non-believers. I, I, have a, I have a lot of friends who are non-believers. Mm-hmm. It's been amazing to me even the fact that, you know, they supported me by listening to my podcast, right? Right. And, you know, I'm like, hey, thank you. You know what I mean? And, and it's, I'm so glad that they do. But on the same token, I'm so glad that they get to hear bits of my faith. Because sometimes I'm not as forthcoming with my faith walk as I should be with non-Christians. Because I don't want to be, listen, I'm your friend. I'm here for you. We'll talk. I, I'm not here to judge you. And sometimes when I'm like, well, according to, right. you know, the book of James, you know, no, that's not what you need. You need me to love you. You need me to be your friend. You need me to listen. And if you want to know how I got there, i show you. You know what I mean? And One so, of the coolest things that happened to me uh, a year or so back was there was a young Bosnian guy that started at our uh, place of work. And uh, his name was Armin. And... Super, super nice kid. He's probably about 24 years old. Uh, he's Muslim. And uh, we started talking about faith one day. That developed into a friendship that if he were to walk in this room right now, we would get back into that conversation. Because that conversation lasted for almost two years, um, where we'd talk about our faith. And he would t- tell me about the Quran, and I would tell him about the Bible and about Jesus. and. And it wasn't acrimonious. It was so, it was a beautiful thing because we were both open to listen to what the other had to say. And yet we each had our own belief. Yeah. But I remember one of the last things he said to me before he left and went into another profession was he was going to read the Bible through and through. And uh, like I had done at one time and, and do the translation. Uh, but it was such a cool thing that two people of two different faiths really shared about what was important to them. I was kind of the same. So I know quite a few Bosnians. You know, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's quite a Bosnian community in, in Des Moines, Iowa. Correct. And uh, I've done a lot of work with tile and stone, and there's a lot of Bosnians in the stone business. Right. And uh, I was on the job one time, and there was a guy, I knew his brother. I've never met him before, but you know, I mean, your family, you know yeah, what I mean? Right, they, they, right. they are a welcoming community. Yes, if you sir. know them, man, it, it, you know, my, you know, my cousin, yeah. you're, we're best friends now. And we were working in this lady's house and the lady was a Buddhist. Oh yeah. And you know, she, somehow we got talking about some stuff and man, I, you know, unless I walk into your house and. I see some crosses or the Christian school banner. Right. I'm hesitant sometimes to bring it up. You yeah. know, I mean, in having a, a show now, it makes it a whole lot easier for me to sometimes to incorporate it into a, a conversation if somebody if somebody is talking. But, you know, kind of goes back to the idea of, you know, I'm here to service your home. If you want to talk to me about it, I'm happy to. Right. If not, I'm happy just to work. But we were in this house and he started bringing up things about faith and and I kind of strayed away a little bit, you know, because I know he was Muslim. I know their whole family is. And, you know, I don't know where this is going. And so the lady came down and she started wanting to ask questions and wanting this. And I just flat out asked her, is it okay to talk religion in your house? Right. And she said, oh, I would love it. Yeah. She was, you know, but she was all about it. And it was amazing to me. I mean, because, yeah, this conversation, we were there for three or four days. Yeah. All day long. 
we would be working in the same room and we would just talk. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to me to see how many similarities there were in the two religions. And, you know, I don't know much about Muslim faith. And, you know, it's, uh, I learned a lot, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, I still, I still hope that they find him some Jesus, <laughs> but you know, well, just it's funny because I learned uh, that the Muslims acknowledge Jesus Christ as a prophet, they that do. he did yeah. exist, and uh, they just don't believe he's the son of God, which is contrary to what I believe. So it was really interesting how the, the two books, the Quran and the Bible, are kind of intertwined sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought my conversation, you know, when I, when I spoke with him, I was just getting started recording some stuff. And I didn't really know how this was going to shape. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked the guy, I was like, hey, can you sit down? And we're just going to talk about this and record it. And mm-hmm. we'll talk for a couple hours and see what happens. And uh, I was really disappointed that he told me no. <laughs> but Phil, so. I'm going to tell you this. Because if you would have came to me and said, hey, you're going to be talking to people about Jesus Christ, you know, I'd have said, no way, you are crazy, because that's something I don't know anything about. It's yeah. not something I feel passionate about. Um, and I'm not the guy to, you know, that can read a Bible quote right off the top of his head. Oh, Matthew 6, yeah. chapter 36 says this. I'm not that guy. And like your, so, your memory versus Jesus wept. Right, yeah. right. So, <laughs> same boat. so I sit there and I, and I think, no way, how, how can I be a Christian and not talk about my faith? But through osmosis of some sort, it's some of it soaked in enough to where I feel comfortable that if the situation were to pop up, yeah. I could talk about my faith. Well, that grows. The more time you spend with it, the more you absorb and the more that comes out. You know, the Holy Spirit, and I ask the Holy Spirit every time I, I mentor somebody or disciple somebody, I say, please, Lord, give me the right words give me the right things to say. And without fail, I, I, I can mention 10 times in the last year how many things I've said that I'm thinking afterwards, after I've said them, where did that come from? I just pulled that out of nowhere, you yeah. know? But no, the Holy Spirit works within you. And that's all part of having faith. Faith that the Holy Spirit's there working with you. Do you get the same thing? So occasionally, you know, if I'm doing that or saying, I'll say something and then you know, I know that it needed to be said. It was prompted. It was on my heart that I needed to relay this message. And then I leave and I kind of go, oh, I hope that was taken right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, sometimes it's a scary thing. And luckily, I mean, I, I can say I've never had anybody be combative about that. I think that as long as you're coming from a place of love and compassion, it seems God like makes it work. God makes it work, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, yeah. So so now you've at work, you're mentoring, you're doing these things. At Alpha, you're mentoring, you're doing these things. Yeah, and it's put me in touch with a lot of people that really are new in their faith and need some sort of a guidance or direction. I know uh, we were the first workplace in Iowa to run an Alpha in our workplace. Wow. That just happened two years ago. So now Alpha is, is worldwide though, right? Correct. Okay. But in Iowa, um, they, did, they didn't have an executive director for the longest time. Okay. Now they have Julie Weeman. God laid it on my heart and another, another guy at work's heart that, you know, we should have an alpha at work. You know, and our workplace employs about 400 people. So we started 
couple months in advance just letting people know that we were going to put this alpha on and uh everybody's like well how can you do that at work you know that's not you know separation of church and whatever and i'm like church and business yeah church and business and i'm like no i think it's a law somewhere right church and business the owners of our business were a little more sympathetic although they asked us to refrain from certain things as far as you know places of meeting and using the email system at work you know what's understandable which is very understandable so we worked around all that and we we had our first ever workplace alpha in iowa uh off-site and we had 17 people attend from work and those same 17 people uh, i think a couple have left now and went at work elsewhere but we have a connection you know we went through 10 weeks of this alpha course now we have this connection this bond if you will that you know we hold each other accountable uh to our faith and we talk about our faith questions and hey what do you think of this and and that type of thing but it's been really kind of special uh, because of this hyper-competitive work environment I'm involved in. There are guys that just soon eat your shorts and talk to you. Yeah, because uh, they want to make their dollar. They want to make their dollar. Yeah. So to have this group within that nucleus is just a blessing because it lets me just kind of be me and uh, instead of being that hyper-competitive person. You know, and, and for somebody, I, I have to do sales for business but I'm not a salesman. You know, I remember uh, I took a job doing sales for a construction company. Mm-hmm. We were selling we were selling granite countertops, and I knew that I needed to learn how to do sales if I wanted to start my own business. Right. And so, I got this job, and I remember they told me you need to wear at minimum khakis and a button-down shirt and a tie every right. day. Right. And I'm like, man, I, I'm a jeans and a got a couple holes in my t-shirt kind of guy. <laughs> And so I, they ended up giving me money to go buy a new wardrobe for work, you know, a couple hundred bucks or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, but it helped. I went out there and I started trying to do these calls and, you know, cold calling all these people. And it didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I decided, listen, I'm not making my sales numbers anyway. I'm either going to get fired <laughs> or something's going to work. And uh, so I just started doing what I wanted to do. Right. And I remember I went to... Um, Actually, years later, I find out he's a member of this church. But uh, I went to a guy who was building houses, mm-hmm. walked in, and I seen him out back dragging this huge propane tank. He was struggling a little bit, and it was muddy and nasty out. And I have my new fancy shoes on and my khakis. And, nice. and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out there and carry this tank. I didn't know who the guy was, so I just went out there and helped this guy carry a tank up to the, up to the house. He's like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like do you know if the builder is going to be here? And he's like, I'm the builder. And I was like, well, I want to sell you granite. And he's like, okay. You know, and it was just that easy. And next thing wow. you know, I'm doing 20 houses for him. And, nice. you know, just that I had to find my niche that in, I notice when I go in and buy things, this high pressure competitive, it, it turns me off. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe it doesn't everybody because I see it a lot of places, but, you know, but I think that some of those guys have to have a, a certain mentality to say, hey, I am the best salesman and I'm, I'm gonna do this and, and to keep that ball moving. But man, it never worked for me. And once I finally settled into who I was, I was able to close deals yeah. instead of trying to be somebody that I'm not. And so, I mean, I understand, you know, if you can go to work and you can live into your faith and you can do those things, yeah, your numbers are going up, you're doing all these things because you're you, you know right. what I mean? And people like the best salesmen I've ever people. the best salesmen I've ever met 
have been true to themselves. Uh, I can exemplify that. I mean, I've been I've been in this field of what I've been doing for 29 years. For me to have the best year I've ever had, uh, fiscal year 2016, and work the least I've ever worked in that year, that says something. Something's going right. Something's going right. Yeah. And so, you know, and I've had some fun along the way. You know, I've I I bought a motorcycle a few years ago and uh, Harley Street Glide, and you know the the typical motorcycle crowd just uh, wasn't the crowd that I really cared to hang around. Yeah. Uh, not say anything bad about them. Not I've, fighting in the alley. Right. I'm not out drinking all the time. And so I asked Pastor Mike one time, I said, hey, what would you think if I started a motorcycle club at church? And he goes, yeah, if you'd like to, go ahead. He goes, what do you need from me? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just so, asking for your blessings. So one Sunday, I, I spent months kind of building the structure of this thing. And and I, I was all set to start to advertise it and let people know that it was available and they should sign up. I parked a motorcycle right in the front lobby of the church and, and sold t-shirts and signed people up. And to date we have 63 people in our club uh, of Christian motorcycle riders. And we have rides uh, every other Thursday and every other Saturday. It's just a, a cool time to be with God for me. And what? people have asked me, you know, why why the motorcycle? And I say, you know, it's a worshipful time for me. I'll, I'll put uh, Christian music on my radio and I'll just talk to God. And uh, that's just cool blessing for me. Well, I remember you guys came up to the church plant yeah. one time. Mm -hmm. And I remember pulling in and people were like, <laughs> what are all these motorcycles doing in the parking lot? And then people coming in wearing chaps and bandanas. And right, I'm like, right. there they are. There we are. <laughs> Matching shirts. But well, no, it was it, funny. It was so neat. You know, My dad passed away July of 14. One of the first things I got to do after two weeks of just nonstop chaos, I got to have a few minutes to myself. And I remember we had a ride with the Christian motorcycle group. Uh, it started at five. I said, you know what? I'm going to make that. So I got on my bike and I rode up to the church and there was probably 20 bikers there and we were sitting in the church parking lot and I said, I'm going to be part of this. And they, they all wanted me to lead the group. So I did. And we went out to Dallas Center, uh, past Dallas Center, but we went through Dallas Center. And there was a 1966 Thunderbird sitting on the side of the road, perfectly restored. And you remember now, my dad just passed away and I was feeling like this is the first chance I could have to mourn my dad. And I'm on my motorcycle and I'm, I see this Thunderbird and I remember back to my childhood, my dad had a 66 Ford Thunderbird that he was restoring. I just remembered looking at that thinking, what are the odds of me seeing a 1966 Thunderbird sitting here right by the side of the road for me to see? Yeah. And I said, thank you, God. Because I know that was for my dad. That Some was for me. A little smile on you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I just, I'll, I'll never forget that. And so that's what I do when I'm on my motorcycle. Instead of looking for the next bar to, to go to. Looking for the next 66 <laughs> Thunderbird. So. But yeah, you know, and I think it's neat that the more that I've found that the more that we get involved in these little, whether it's Alpha or, you know, your writing club or... A youth group project or you know I remember I did a, a program and I know they changed the name of it I think it's called the ultimate journey now yep okay mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, that was a really small group. You know, there's only three of us. Right. And you really... It's very intense. Deep. It's very intense. And that, like the, the relationships you're talking about with Alpha, I really got that out of that. Right. You know, and these people that I don't see them all that often, but when I do, it's joyous. They're real relationships. Yeah. They're and, real. And they're think, not surface. I think that that's something that people sometimes miss when they're not engaged in those Christian relationships because the the realness we lack sometimes in life. Right. And I know that I harp on it all the time on the show but our life's too busy to yeah. sit and delve into everybody's yeah you know situation. but once you can get into somebody's life and care about them and they care about you man it it brings out a whole new level of friendship and camaraderie and and affection for each other and i think that anybody who's who's lacking that is really missing out on critical pieces in life and it doesn't take much i mean i think that People honestly want to share themselves, but they're scared sometimes. They don't have time. And I found that people who, usually if I come up to somebody and I start sharing a story with them, they're going to tell me about them too. And then we can build off that. And to realize that it's a two-way street. Like, I'm not, you know, if you're not going to tell me anything about you, I'm not telling you anything about me. Well, you know? people don't like to be vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, they, they leave themselves exposed. And, and I think when you create a safe space, whether it be a church whether it be an alpha session or ultimate journey, those are times where it's safe and it's okay to be vulnerable. And I think people feel that and then they open up and you get to know people on a different level. Yeah. And I think it's just a very godly thing. I love alpha stories. That's probably the most rewarding part of what I do is I get to see the stories, I get to hear the stories of transformation. How long have you been facilitating alpha? Seven years, okay. eight years. So you got a little while under you. Well, I actually, uh, I'm actually an alpha advisor for the entire state of Iowa. Okay. And that's how Prison Alpha came to be. Okay. We'll get more to that in just a few minutes. But I remember having this couple. Uh, have you ever seen the movie The War Room? I can't remember who wrote it, but it was about a couple that uh, had a separate room in their house where. Oh, the little they, closet that they yeah, prayed. Yeah, that I've they seen prayed that. in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had this couple, they were probably 65, 70 years old, just the sweetest couple you ever want to meet. Married a long time, deep in their faith. They've been faithful since they were in elementary school. I mean, they were brought up the way you'd read about things. And he was very knowledgeable, the, the husband was, about the Bible and about Christianity. And I thought, huh, this is kind of intimidating. You know, God, what do you have planned for me here? <laughs> so we started out in the Alpha session and he was contributed greatly to the group. I mean, he had very good knowledge, he listened. Um, but something I didn't know is God was working in his heart. Uh, it revealed itself at the end of the Alpha course. At, after 10 weeks, we were uh, saying goodbye to each other. Of course, we as a group grew very close together. We're, we're now at this level of relationship that is rarely seen. He says to me, and we're, we're kind of wrapping up saying our goodbyes, and he's, he says to the group, and he's got tears in his eyes, and he goes, he points to his head, he goes, Scott, what Alpha has done for me is it's taken my head knowledge, and he points to his heart and brought it down to my heart, and he was just in tears. He is now facilitating an Alpha group currently. Nice. Uh, him and his wife both are. But I took it, it, it was so cool to see God work in somebody's life who's been faithful his whole life and all of a sudden made it brand new again. 
Yeah. Like you were talking about earlier, just igniting that fire. You know? Yeah. And he gave, he gave me a, a framed and matted picture that is still hanging in my hallway at home about uh, being a warrior for God, putting on the armor of God. It's such a beautiful prayer. I, I leave it right there in my hallway. I see it every day. And I always think of them, too, because of what they, not only what they contributed, but what they got out of it. So it doesn't matter where you're at in your faith life. You can be... I don't even know anything about Christianity to, uh, I know about all there is to know, you know, uh, to be affected. I think, you know, even with, even with, you know, I worked a lot with youth and mm -hmm. I think even with that, it's amazing the things that I learned from kids, mm. you know, and I'm going in there and I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, I'm supposed to know <laughs> what I'm talking about, but it was amazing to me just to see how children and young adults really live into their faith, contribute in their faith, understand their faith. And, you know, even, you know, my, my oldest is five now. Right. And the questions that he has, the things he asks, the things, you know, and I'm like, you're five. Where did you, where did you come up with this? And, uh, you know, occasionally I'm like, I don't even, you could talk to your mom. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think one of the, he was younger. We had, my wife had some cats and uh, two of them died within a real short time of each other. Mm -hmm. And the first one dies and you go, you know, and you got to tell the kids the cat died. And, you know, he's like, well, why did, you know, why did the cat die? You know, and we're like, well, the cat went to be with Jesus. <laughs> like, I, we don't know, you know. And, you know, as young parents, they don't have a book about what you tell your kids. So All you right. got to come up with the best thing you can. And then the second one died just shortly after. You know, same thing. Well, he went to be with Jesus, and he got mad, and he goes, "Why is Jesus taking all my kitties?" <laughs> <laughs> so it just, you know, it, you know, just the little things that they grasp or don't grasp, and you know, but just the, yeah, it's amazing. Well, after, it's amazing what you can learn from anybody. Yeah, it definitely is, and to to see the stories, and I get to learn from that. I grow more in my faith. Uh, and how God really works in this world. You know, God's there. You just got to find him. You got to yeah. look for him. If you aren't looking, you won't, you know, it, you just not, if you're out there doing all this other junk and not looking for Christ, you know, he's there. He's there waiting for you. You know, and I got to that point with Alpha uh, after hosting many sessions because, you know, once you go through Alpha, you just want to get involved somehow. I was telling Told people I'm kind of plateaued again. Here I am, you know, I'm, I'm deeper in my faith, but now I've plateaued again. So I'm looking for something more. And, and so I started helping other churches do their training, how to train their host helpers and going to, I, I, I call them trade shows for Alpha and how to advertise it to churches and that kind of thing. Next thing I know, Julie Weeman asked me if I would like to become an advisor for Alpha Iowa. So. That's what I did. I started going out to different churches and, and just showing them the program. You know, it's not like a big cost to them. It's, here's the program. We're here to support you. If you want to run this, uh, we'll be here for you. We've gotten several churches to present the Alpha program to. And so at, that, at some point, again, I plateaued. And I said, you know, I've taken Alpha in my house. I've taken Alpha in my uh, workplace. I've done Alpha at the church. You know, where else can we take Alpha? We started talking about prison Alpha. I was like, oh, prisons, yeah, I don't know about that, you know. Yeah. So I, I sat and I prayed on it. 
for quite a while, probably a few weeks. God all of a sudden started giving me little nudges here and there, you know, and I, I'd see it. I'd see God working, and, and He keeps throwing this back in my lap. And like, what kind of things? I mean, um, you know, I, I can't remember exactly. But just the little, the little things that pop up. And yeah, the little nudges. You know, the things I see on TV. You know, about forgiveness and compassion and grace. Uh, all not like a maybe think, o- not a police officer right <laughs> no well and it's funny because I was pro death penalty I was like yeah oh yeah those guys committed crimes they deserve you know whatever they get and, yeah which they do but they don't you know in Christ everyone deserves forgiveness so I started kind of poking around and figuring out what I could do for Alpha prisons and I got in touch with our national director out of Wichita Falls, Texas, and he and I have had a couple of good meetings. and And he said, "Scott, we don't have anybody running Alpha in Iowa. We got it in 37 other states, but not Iowa." And so I started talking to some guys that are running it in prisons. So we we started approaching uh, the state of Iowa, and I was doing it on an executive level. So I was contacting the de- Department of Corrections. And I wasn't getting anywhere. They were, they were in support of the program. That's what their email said to me. We're in support of your efforts. However, we are waiting for whatever. And I thought, oh, okay, God, what, am I, what should I do here? Somebody at another church that heard I was doing this said, oh, I know so-and-so at the Mitchellville Women's Prison. Her name's Pastor Lee. And they like, you need to talk to her. So I called her. And she goes, oh, I know about Alpha. She goes, I'm a pastor and we out of Polk City. We ran Alpha in my church and we love it. Nice. And she goes, we'd love to visit with you. So I went over and I started visiting with her. And we, there was a lot of infrastructure building to bring it to the prison because there's all kinds of rules and things that we had to abide by. And we had to get everybody background checked and orientated to the prison. And, and so it was months of getting this set up and building the team. And at a couple of my training uh, for Alpha Iowa, training seminars for Alpha Iowa, they had me talk to a group of people about Alpha in the prisons. And meanwhile, I'm still setting up Mitchellville. We, we built a team of a wonderful team, 15 different people. We just are feel led by God to, that we need to minister to these people. And they're from all different churches. They're from Cornerstone, from Prairie Ridge, from Lutheran Church of Hope. All, all denominations. All denominations. And that, that have heard about this through one of my times of speaking or truly networking, telling everybody about prisons, we've accumulated this team of amazing people, people that I will never forget the rest of my life that I consider true friends uh, because we've been through it together. We got set up in the prison. We are currently in our third session of Alpha. We're in our winter session right now. We just had it last night, as a matter of fact. We have we had 26 women uh, attend our session. Some of the Alpha stories that I enjoyed hearing at the church, it's times 10 at the prison oh, because yeah. people there are already feeling this big. I mean, just... Like, minuscule. They're just, they mean nothing to nobody. For them to hear that Jesus Christ loves them and offers them grace and salvation, uh, it, it just can be very dramatic. And some of the transitions that we've seen, you know, we've have inmates now reading the Bible every day that they didn't. Uh, we have 
We had one lady had been in there four times. She was in tears towards the end of the session that she goes, wow, with Jesus in my life, I look at things differently now. She goes, now I'm signed up for a, um, a mentor outside of the walls of the prison to help assimilate her to a community, to get, help her get a job, help her get on her feet. She goes, I never took part in that stuff uh, before. Uh, you know, they always tried to get me into that and I never wanted to, but now I'm doing it. She goes, I have never felt more positive about my chances on the outside than I do right now. And that's because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. You know, and kind of goes back to the very, you know, one of the very first things we were talking about is when you relinquish that control, when you can't control everything. You know, my, you know, and I don't know for sure, I'm speculating, but, you know, she's getting out of prison and she's going to come back and she's going to do what she does. You know, I'm in control of this. I'm holding on tight. And when you realize you can let go and everything's not going to fall down around you and you need a little help, I think that's one of the things faith allots us. Well, and there are there are critics out there. You know, I, my own brother, my brother is my best friend. He and I been through everything together, and we talk every day. And he, I first told him about prison ministry. He goes, really? Prison ministry? Is that what you want to do? And I go, you know, it's not so much what I want to do. It's what God's calling me to do. Yeah. I said, you know, are there some jailhouse Christians out there? Of course there are. People that, as soon as they're out, they're, they're not going to read the Bible. But... By and large, the people that take part in this and really have a transformation, that's going to affect them the rest of their lives. So we planted some seeds, yeah. you know, that we're not always going to know the results of that, but that's not for us to know. No, you know, and, and it kind of goes back to that idea that I think a lot of ministries focus on is if you can save one, if you can help one, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's, it's worth it. It's, it's worth it just to see the life improvement of, of those people around you. So now you're in the prison. You did the infrastructure. You got this set up. How are you selecting the inmates to participate in it? I mean, is it just a, a sign-up sheet on the wall that they put their name on, or what do what they Well, uh, at that particular prison, there are five levels of behavior. Okay. Okay, and they're color-coded on their name badges. So if you're a brown badge, you don't get to take part in anything. You're either new at the prison or you're not behaving very well. Uh, so you were basically in your cell and then out for one hour a day. As you move up through good behavior, uh, you get a pink, yellow, or blue badge. And blue badge, or the pink badge, excuse me, is the highest level. That's the most freedom within the prison. And so we usually get the top three. Okay. Uh, any of those three colors can sign up for our alpha. And, it, and it's, they actually have a church within the prison walls and they have a pastor that's there. And, and she, this is the lady from Polk City? The, yeah, she's okay. the pastor there now. And she signs people up. And I know the first time we had 20 inmates, and we told that session, that class, we said, hey, you know, make sure to, if you feel like this is something valuable, that you invite somebody to the next session. And we got 60 inmates our second session. That's pretty neat. This session, it's uh, 26, I think. But we don't look at it as the size of the group. We look at it, you know, how it's affecting each individual inmate. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of d dysfunction that goes on in those people's lives, people that didn't have the best shot growing up, yeah. a lot of molestation, a lot of uh, just crimes against children. And they grew up in that. And so, of course, they're going to be the product of that. You know, it's up to them to 
break the cycle, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing to me, and I've sat and talked with a lot of people about some people, you know, what, what, why do some people get a fair shake and other people don't? Why does God allow these certain things to come and go? And why, why does this person have more opportunity than the other? And it's something that I, I don't think anybody will ever know. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's just a matter of how we deal with our situation sometimes. You know, and I'll give you a couple of statistics um, from Alpha USA uh, when they talk about two and a half million Americans behind bars currently. Yeah. Uh, you're never more than an hour's drive away from a prison, no matter where you live. 67% of inmates will reoffend within three years. But 50% uh, of the inmates that take Alpha uh, have been documented, have made a commitment to Christ uh, in their lives. And so we're having an impact, we're having an effect. We're given hope and salvation that only God can provide yeah, to the people that have lost a lot of hope. You know, I think I read that, you know, America is, has the highest inmate population in the world. You know, that, that we, we incarcerate so many people and, you know, it's hard to free kind of thing, you know, when we have so many reoffenders and and people behind bars, it's... It, until you, I think sometimes, you know, I was very, kind of the thing, same thing you were saying a minute ago. You know, they're behind bars, they deserve it, they mm -hmm. did something wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you start, you know, some of the guys that have worked with me or guys that I've known, man, they just, they were on the right track, they were doing something, and they just made one fatal mistake. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's usually something minor, you know. I, I know a guy that he, just because he was on, he was on probation, but you know he got a little mouthy when when a when a cop was yelling at him, and now he's violation of probation, yeah. back locked up. Well, and know, it's and funny. It's hard. Two and a half million people are in our prisons right now, but there's seven million Americans either in jail, in prison, or on probation at any given time. That's crazy. And that's why I said, you know, prisons are usually out of town. They're out in the country somewhere. They're out of sight, out of mind. That's why I said, you're never more than an hour's drive from a prison because that's how plentiful they are. It's a, it's a big expense, but it's a big travesty of our society that, that we don't allow Bibles in school, but yet we allow them in prisons. I, and I think that's probably step one yeah. <laughs> to curing that problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But these, so these transformations you've seen, is there a... I mean, are you getting women? Obviously, Mitchellville is a women's prison. Yeah. Um, are you getting all walks of life? I mean, blue collar crime, white collar oh, yeah. crime. You know. I mean. Well, Mitchellville, it's Iowa Correctional Institute for Women (ICIW), uh, is a unique prison because it's the only women's prison in the state of Iowa. So they have uh, minimum security, medium security, and maximum security all in the same prison. It's the only prison in Iowa that's like that. So. Yes, we have convicted murderers, we have financial criminals, we have a lot of drug abuse, a lot of mental illness issues, which is a whole other topic for another show. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, I think if we treated mental health uh, appropriately in this country, our prisons would probably be a third less full. Uh, and it's just a shame, but that's another topic for another but day. So you're finding, I mean, just across the board, all of these women of all different walks are, are signing up to take Alpha program? Yes. Mm -hmm. We have a, just a 
great, great lady. She's in there for life for murder. She has, over the years, gotten to be known as the prison yard pastor, uh, someone that's very knowledgeable about her faith. And so it's amazing to me step back five years ago would you ever have described a woman in life for murder as a wonderful woman right you know what i mean it opens your heart it does look at that it does and i actually i actually asked her to come back this session to help out with alpha because she has so much to give you know her faith is is very strong it's very evident people attract to her because of her faith so she's helping us out this session and you're right yeah i mean uh, I think 10 years ago she committed a murder. She's almost 70 now. Just a, a beautiful lady, you know, and um, I have a lot of respect for her. Anyway, so, you know, the way God works, one of the training sessions I held for Alpha Iowa, I don't even remember where it was at. It might have been at a, at a church, a Lutheran church, I believe. I held a, a training seminar and I started talking about prisons. This is long before I even got Mitchellville opened up. Like another year and a half, two years later, a lady emails me out of the blue and she said, hey, I attended one of your trainings. She goes, we, we would like to very much be a part of Alpha Prisons. And so I, I called her and we started talking and she's from Cedar Rapids, St. Luke's Lutheran Church. It's the pastor's wife. She said, we have a prison here that we think we could get into, but we need you to come train our team. We have a team of about 16 people that are volunteering to do this. And I said, sure. So one day, Julie and Amy and myself, all from Alpha, Iowa, drove over there and we trained their, their team. Uh, their, the warden happened to go to their church at Anamosa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the warden of Anamosa and, and he was all about getting Alpha in there. So now we have Alpha running in Anamosa. So simultaneously, we have Anamosa State Prison, we have Mitchellville women's prison, and currently I'm in talks with the Newton Correctional Facility to get Alpha started there. So it's growing, it's, it's in God's time, it's not my time. Yeah. So as God equips us, and then we'll be there. So now, you know, you're talking about that plateau before you, you know, even you've gone through Alpha, you've done all this stuff before you hit the prison ministry, you're sitting on this plateau, right? Right. So now, how has, the prison ministry kind of put you in a new, tra- to new trajectory. Oh, that's interesting. Um, well, number one, I still take part in every Alpha session at Mitchellville okay. just because I that fulfills me personally. And um, the, the plateau that you're speaking of, I don't think will happen for a while because there's nine prisons in the state of Iowa. So I got a long job ahead of me. <laughs> I don't. I don't see me getting uh, plateaued anytime too soon. Enough. Enough struggles to keep yeah, pushing, right? Yeah. So, but it's been really exciting, and and it's it's like each one of these teams is my kid. Uh, you know, I, I love on them. I I appreciate what they do, and I enjoy seeing the fruits of their labor. So that's been fulfilling to me on a different level. And so as I build more teams, as God allows me to build more teams, I gotta always remember God is doing this, not me. It's like your family growing. It's like my family growing, and I just, I so enjoy it. And, and I, I think, you know, I talked to uh, the team over at Anamosa, I asked them how their first session of Alpha went uh, last spring, and, and the Marla sent me an email back saying, what a blessing this is, it was so fulfilling for them, and 
God was definitely alive and working in this prison, and they just had such a great turnout. And, and it's just been, to hear that, and for me not to be actively involved in that group, but to hear it, I just, it's such a blessing. So you got your first, your first session of Alpha. You did all this legwork. You signed up. You got the first group of ladies. The first time you walked through the doors of that prison, what goes through your mind? I mean, are you a little nervous? You little, sh- you know. I think, you know, I think uh, for somebody who hasn't been, maybe, maybe I'm being presumptuous. Somebody who probably hasn't been to prison, right? Somebody who maybe hasn't been to oh, jail. Oh, that's first time for me too, by the yeah. way. Okay. I'm 50 years old, never been to a prison. But uh, that's got to be something that takes you back a little bit. I mean, were you? Did well, you ever? I mean, or was it just Christ was with you? You knew it's where you're going. You just walked straight forward. I'll tell you an interesting story because there's so much background checks and and then there's an orientation before they allow you into the prison they issue you a volunteer badge and then they take you on a walking tour of the prison during the orientation so it everything's pretty good you know there's really nothing shocking there it's it's it kind of looks like a college campus you know just the different buildings the housing units the dining hall and uh anything like that and i the only time i was ever i guess I wasn't really intimidated. I, it was just, I walked through a group of about 50 inmates that were sitting out in the yard. Um, I was like, wow, you know, did I really imagine myself being here 10 years ago? No way would I have done that. And no, it's, uh, the people there are, are friendly. Yeah, I, I don't really, there's no fear. No, not at not all. Not even the first time. That's amazing. No, you not know, really. And, but I think that, that is that something that, you know, God probably puts in you. You know, he prepares you, gets you ready for where you're going. So. I have, it's funny because what really, one of my first team members was a victim of a crime. Uh, he was shot in downtown Des Moines. He was being carjacked. They shot him, left him for dead. And for the last two years, he had been in contact with the guy that shot him and was ministering to him. And he, of course, wanted to join the prison team. I have another ex-police officer who, same deal, was shot in the line of duty. She survived, wanted to minister to prisoners. She just felt God calling her to that. She resigned from the forest right after that. She couldn't, couldn't go back to the forest, but she felt she could deal with prisoners. So she's been on my team and she's attended every session. She does not miss. That's amazing. Yeah. So God is working in us too, just like he's working in the inmates. There's a lot of healing that goes on. Uh, there's transformation, there's, there's growth. All of those things happen to everybody. So now if somebody is thinking they wanted to get involved with Alpha, what do they need to do? I mean, you guys have a national website? Yep, it's alphausa.org. Okay. Um, and it'll give them a list of like, hey, here's all the places that are offering it? Yep. Well, Alpha is started in London, uh, London, England. Uh, It has been attended by 25 million people worldwide. There is Alpha actively going on in many, many churches throughout Iowa. Uh, It's a funny story is my brother and my sister, who my brother's my best friend, they both live down in Austin, Texas, and I hooked them up to an Alpha program down in their church down in Texas. I mean, Alpha is getting to be everywhere. It's in 22 different countries. Funny story is I gave a testimony at church. Uh, it was God Watch weekend. So yeah. I, I stood up on stage and I talked about Alpha. 
it's obviously a passion of mine, but um, my cousin who lives in Minneapolis happened to, oh, I, I put it on Facebook, that's what I did, and my cousin watched it online on my Facebook page. And she was in bed with her husband one night and they were on the computer and she goes, oh, I want you to listen to my cousin Scott talk about Alpha. So he listens to, it's about half hour, 40 minutes uh, conversation or a testimony that I gave. And he got to the point where he just couldn't get Alpha out of his mind. So he was feeling the Lord nudging him. So he went to his church and he goes, do we offer Alpha here? And they said, no. And he goes, well, I think we should offer it. And uh, He's never even been through no, it. We no. need to do it. So he calls me. He says, hey, can you hook me up with a church that's running Alpha? I want to go through it. So I did. And it's a church there in Minneapolis. And it wasn't their church, but it was a different one. Uh, so he and his wife went through it for 10 weeks. And he just came back to his church and said, we've got to do this. This is so fundamental. Yeah. So his church is like, well, let's talk about it, you know. And Randy, my cousin's husband, does not think like that. He's, he's a go-getter, you know. And so he started, he's going to host one in his house. Well, he could only find one guy to take it. So, and it was a guy that he used to work with that's retired. And he was uh, a Buddhist. He, and he, but he always wanted my cousin to take him out fishing because my cousin's a big fisherman. And so he calls this guy up and he says, hey, he goes, tell you what, how about we go fishing every Wednesday night? Uh, for the next 10 weeks and he goes the only caveat is you got to listen to a little teaching and then we have our group time on the boat and he's like I'm down for that so right away Randy's hosting Alpha in some lake in Minnesota they're out there fishing and talking about Christ and it's such an amazing story of how this all transpired and so we had a cousin we have a cousin's reunion every second year and we're at this cousin's reunion up in uh Blue Earth, Minnesota, and my cousin's husband comes up to me and puts his arm around me. He goes, I have to thank you. And I said, for what? He goes, it all started with that alpha video. He goes, it has changed my life. He goes, I am so on fire for the Lord that, he goes, I've always been faithful, but he goes, this takes it to a whole new level. That's amazing. And huh? so he's, since I haven't heard yet, but I think his church is going to adopt the Alpha program into their ministry. So, well, if not, he'll just have to keep taking him on the boat. Yeah, right. I'm like, hey, I should attend that session. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so so people can visit Alpha's website, Alpha USA, mm -hmm. and then um, what about prison ministries? If people were involved or want to get involved in doing stuff like that, I realize there's probably you can't just show up and want to come right. and do it. But right. if, somebody, if somebody has a real passion for that, is there a way for them to get in touch or to get involved with yep. it? Yep, they could go to alphausa.org forward slash Iowa, I believe it is. Or you can contact uh, Prairie Ridge Church here in Ankeny, Iowa. You so it's hosted out of the church? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Prairie Ridge has permanently adopted the Mitchellville prison team. Uh, okay. They fund it. So if they want, what they have to do is fill out a small application, tell us where you're from, that kind of thing. And then we have you go through the state's background check and then we set you up for an orientation. Then when we get your ID badge, then you are officially on the team and you can start going into the prison. Nice. Yeah. Um, wouldn't mind giving a couple of contact. Yeah, no, feel free, you know, whatever, whatever you want, you know, we'll, whatever else you think people might want to know or hear before we wrap up. I'd, I'd love to hear anything that you got. I so. want to give you Julie Weeman's information. Her 
email address is Julie Weeman, that's J-U-L-I-E-W-I-E-M-A-N-N at alphausa.org. Uh, that's her email. I'll give you my phone number and email. My email is smhanson, S is in Sam, M is in Mary, H-A-N-S-O-N, 2009 at live.com. And my phone number is 515-890-2211. They can get a hold of any three of us and we can uh, coordinate uh, entrance onto the prison team. Nice. And that's anywhere in the state because I'm currently also working in Eldora. Uh, They are okay with me coming there. I just got to have a team. So if any church is listening that's around the Eldora area that would love to host an Alpha, get to I got 157 kids up there between the ages of 13 and 17 that need that need what we are offering. So could use your help. Well, that sounds fantastic, man. Is there anything else you want to leave anybody with? You good? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, man. Let's shut this thing down. All right. that you guys enjoyed that let you know there's a few things out there that you can get involved with if you do have some more questions you know want to grow in your faith a little bit i think alpha is a fantastic way to do it and i'm sure that uh if you're somebody who has been around the church for a while and and already strong in your faith look for an alpha and and try to get in there and try to help others grow i think it'll do good for everybody like always, you can visit us on our Facebook page at uh, the God Watch Podcast or on our website at godwatchlive.com. Remember that if you have any questions, feel free to send them over to us. And if you can help us answer any questions, go ahead and send them over to us. Any of it would help us out, keep everything moving forward. Feel free to share this show with anybody who you think might enjoy listening to it. Have a great week and be blessed.